Hello, and welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast. It's not every day you can be joined by the winningest player in the history of a Division I basketball program, but sometimes you get lucky that way. Mike Thomas was a consummate captain and stood the test of time in ways that no one had before. Five full seasons in Manoa spanning three head coaches, an NCAA investigation, and an NCAA tournament. He was the rock in the eye of the storm. He was actively a part of 87 wins. That's more than 22 wins per season, a staggering average for a program that's only hit the 20 mark in 10 seasons during the modern era. That's since the 1970s. In the years since he left UH and got a glance in the G League, Mike has become a busy man post-hoops, with demands on a few fronts, an athletic training day job, a gig as a basketball skills developer, and nighttime spent on a burgeoning music career. Please bear with some of the audio for the first half of the pod. It gets better, I promise. And now, here's Mike Thomas. Check out Mike and Kara at Nokoi Automotive in Kalihi for all your vehicle repairs and maintenance needs. Quick turnaround, affordable, honest, and ASE certified. Call or text 842-6453 to schedule an appointment today. That's 842-MIKE or email nokaoiauto at gmail.com. The best part, mention the Court Sense podcast for a 10% discount. All right, Mike Thomas, the foreman on the Incredibos NCAA tournament team of five years ago now. Uh, Mike Thomas joins the Court Sense podcast. Mike, first off, can you believe it has been five full years since that magical season? Yeah, you just said that out loud. It kind of shocked me a little bit. That's, that's wild. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy that it's been five years. Uh, I'm just glad to, to have a group of guys that still uh, connected to some, in some ways stronger than others, in some ways a little more mild, but uh, just grateful for that experience. Yeah, it's been, that was, that's, that's wild. It was five years ago. How frequently have you seen, you know, your cohorts from that team, the Nico Filipoviches, the Stefan Yankoviches, the Roderick Bobbitts, all those guys? Yeah, I mean, I see uh, – I remember when I was driving through the Bay maybe two years ago, um, I saw Rod, and it was random. Like, we were both in Union Square at the same time um, and then got to hang out and link up later. I should have connected with them more, but – we all play in a fantasy football league, if I'm being honest. So we all still get to connect, uh, connect and communicate through that um, yearly. And then um, guys like Nico, I still see um, Aaron. I'm about to start playing pickup basketball with here, here and there. And so uh, still trying to stay connected here uh, with a lot of the guys. Got to see Saitamala not too long ago. Um, but yeah, it's still well. We're all we're all very cool, um, very good. So yeah. well, that's great to hear, Mike. You you yourself made it out to the islands. Last year, if I'm not mistaken, right, you were the honorary game captain for – you'll have to remind me which specific game that was, but but you were out here. What was it like being being back? And there were, by the way, still fans in the stands at that time, as strange as that sounds right now. And it was awesome. I got to see uh, UH versus Maine, I believe, at Maine. one point right before, before um, the new year. And then after the new year, I got to see the UC Davis game where uh, Eddie Stansbury hit that game winner. And I thought that was uh, – it was just unreal to be in the, in the arena at that time too. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going back in March, you know, a month from now, uh, for a friend's wedding. But, 
uh, yeah, just being in that environment, having fans in there again, and not having to be the uh, performer was uh, something different. <laughs> <laughs> um, being able to enjoy it and, and lose myself in, in the game as well, um, just as a fan and a spectator, was really cool. How do you think you would handle not having anyone to at least in person perform for in that kind of setting? Um, I think I'd have a lot of fun, honestly. I think uh, it, it, it makes it more of a pickup setting. And I know I've, I've uh, always been a guy who, you know, does a lot for the team and stuff like that. But when, in, in a lot of pickup settings, when you start feeling that nature every time you go out there and play, you, you tend to play a lot more loose. Um, and so I think I think I would have done pretty well. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 I mean, obviously it's not as fun as having the fans there. Uh, but I, <laughs> it definitely uh, can make some guys better than, than, uh, than normal and can make some guys honestly worse than normal too. Mike, I mean, you are one of the longest tenured guys ever to put on a Rainbow Warrior uniform. You are actually the winningest player, 87 Ws. You are, were a part of spanning your freshman year in uh, 2013-14 all the way through that, uh, you know, through that tournament year. Then you took a redshirt year, and then you had your senior year. Um, it was basically half of the entire time I was the beat writer for UH men's basketball. Um, you you may have set the record for uh, interview – uh, appearances, uh, just me personally speaking. So, uh, <laughs> belated thank you for that, for making yourself available. And, uh, and, and now Mike Thomas, you are uh, in high demand on a few different fronts. Um, so let, let's talk about that. Like what you've been up to. I mean, you've got, uh, the athletic training company that you've been a part of, I know almost since the time that you finished at UH, right. Um, you yeah. are more recently been doing some music producing. It's all over your Instagram page. And my understanding is you also do some skills development with uh, youth players in your area in the greater LA area. So how do you delegate your time? Yeah, definitely priority based. Um, I do have a boss, a very generous boss during this time. And so uh, just making sure that I'm handling all my responsibilities for athletic gains um, and making sure that I'm taking care of all of our clients and athletes on that front first, um, as, as well as our new trainers and different guys that we're starting to develop um, on the employee side too. Uh, but that's been, I mean, athletic games has been a, a world of fun, um, as well as just a learning experience, teach me how to grow up, honestly, and, and um, handle different clientele, work with different types of people, be a personable person to any type of person that's in front of me. Um, and really, uh, try to strive for success. There's a lot of different uh, incentives and initiatives that we work through um, that just make you more of not, not just a good trainer, uh, but more of a, a well faceted. Um, business person and uh an entrepreneur in that sense and so i've been very very grateful for that but second goes to my uh skill development um and working with a ton of kids on the court making sure that I, have a, I have a group of kids maybe from ages 11 uh, up to 22 uh whether they be in middle school high school college even some professionals uh that have come to me and we just work a lot on fundamental skills but uh, advancing it and especially with the tie-in from my athletic games work uh, there's there's certain things that we can do now that are a little more advanced than just what most people would think are the fundamentals. You kind of develop a certain professional fundamentals uh, in a basketball sense, which has been a lot of fun too. And seeing guys progress in that way is one of my favorite things in the world uh, when it finally clicks as a as a hooper and um, as a player. And definitely working with a lot of guys on reads and different stuff like that too. I'll, I'll break down film. And, uh, it, it's a very full-faceted uh, business, if I, if I can say that. Uh, for my skill development and then lastly the music the music is what gets my night times um in some early mornings uh, but it's a, definitely a passion deal right now and i i never 
uh, I, I can never call that work if I'm being honest, just because it's so much art and creativity going into it. So many different personalities, so many different artistic styles that I deal with. And I've been able to get on the uh, production side a ton for uh, artists like Brock, artists like my little brother, artists like uh, Miles, a couple guys that we've met through basketball, actually, that wanted to go full time into music, um, as well as new people out in the Valley in Los Angeles that I've been able to connect with and, and work on projects with and for. Uh, going forward, I've done uh, engineering as well for that, too, uh, as well as being my own artist, in a sense, and, and uh, perfecting my sound and trying to come out with just more music that uh, that feels genuine to me and uh, that I can kind of relate to, to other people in, in the world and uh, in, the, in the space around me. Uh, I definitely, I know a lot of people can have the dreams of wanting to get rich and famous and all that different stuff. I think having the basketball background that I did and playing at the level that we did and getting that exposure kind of took care of that that need for me. And so right now it's really just uh, perfecting a craft and um, not devoting time to where I feel like I have to do anything for it, but um, just wanting to grow and learn and um, and continue to get better in that nature as well too. Whatever comes from that may come from that, but I definitely have a ton of fun um, with the production and, and music side too. No, you, I mean, you can hear the, the passion when you talk about, talk about, I mean, all three of those things, but um, <laughs> what does that leave time for otherwise, if, if you're not talking or doing one of those three things? Man, uh, <laughs> I definitely make, I, I still kept the same roots, man. I, I make God the center of my day. And so I, uh, I don't start any or do any of those things without understanding that my relationship with him goes first um, and, and making that primary to my life and, and just kind of bringing me back to base. A lot of times you get caught up in the runaround so much um, that you forget uh, your purpose. In a sense, you can be doing so, so many things that uh, are, aren't bringing you that same gratitude that that does for me, I should say. And so um, definitely uh, just my spiritual life, uh, church life, if you will, uh, making sure I'm on top of that and, and constantly pouring into that uh, just as much or even more than I am with the other stuff. But uh, I uh, am recently dating as well, too. So making time for my girlfriend, uh, just making sure I'm emotionally and uh, physically available for her. Um, and uh, honestly, yeah, other than that, I'm pretty, pretty locked. It's been a very busy, busy uh, COVID year. <laughs> but, yeah, well, while everyone else is kind of just uh, sitting on the couch waiting for this thing to, to play out, you're, uh, you're out there making moves. I like it. Um, did, did you have the feeling, you know, by the, by the end of your, your University of Hawaii career and your five years out there, like I said, um, that life would take you this direction? I mean, I, uh, I think you, you took a, a little bit of a stab at the G League, right? You did a tryout or two. Yeah. Um, how much thought was there, Mike, that you would continue playing basketball if overseas, if not uh, here domestically in the States? Yeah, I think uh, it was tough, man. I, I really enjoyed my time in the G League. I feel like I learned a ton and uh, was just competing a ton and uh, growing into a player that I had never seen myself be before, if, if I'm being honest, just being that type of professional and uh, taking care of business in that nature. It was very interesting how how easy that setting can cultivate a lot of that. I think um, when you get to school and everything, there can be distractions. There can be a lot of just different things in your face and um, the good and bad. And uh, I think being able to to go out there and do that was, uh, it just showed me a ton about the game, but I felt like um, there were people around me that I felt were pouring more into the game. And I think I was developing more uh, personal assets outside of it. And uh, for me, I'm somebody, when it comes to basketball, I'm somebody who is always going to respect uh, the reason why people are playing. And I felt like at a certain point, uh, I got very excited about the idea of playing professionally and making a lot of money. 
And uh, for me, I know some people can think that way too, and it works out for them, but I just didn't feel uh, conscious-wise, I didn't feel clear uh, playing basketball for that reason. Um, and there was, uh, I mean, uh, plenty of opportunities to play overseas and continue my career. And even I, like I got uh, reached out by the Rockets uh, after I left the, the Utah Jazz organization uh, for their G League team as well. And I just, something couldn't bring me to it. I just felt like there were other people that were very deserving because they had put their heart and soul into the game at, at that level. Hmm. Um, and there were other things that I could do. I think I, I went to school, I got my degree. And so even if the, the beginning of, of not playing is, is difficult, I knew that at the end of the day, I could make something work of it. And there's other passions that I wanted to get into. A lot of people don't realize when you, I mean, when you play at that level, and I'm, we're not like Hawaii, we're not a high major division one, but we, we I mean, it's, it's getting to a high level. Like not many people can say that they play uh, division one basketball, right? And so um, doing that, you, you have to dedicate 20 years of your early life uh, to playing basketball, and uh, that's already a 20-year career if you take it as seriously as, you, as you're as you supposed to. And so uh, I, I just felt drained by that in a sense. Um, but I, I think what's crazy is opportunity just kept presenting itself. Um, I was able to get uh, not so much an overtrial. We actually had a, like an NBA official tryout because of just how the rules were set up. We had to be in there. So it was four of us, and I got to, got to actually work out in front of Donovan Mitchell. And, oh, wow. he, came and spoke to us. Yeah, he came and spoke to us afterwards. He was like, man, I – I really love you guys' games. Like, I, uh, I just – I respect the hustle and the grind of you guys putting in uh, work and having to fly out to cities and do all this different stuff. And it's not it's not easy not knowing what, what opportunity is going to come forward. And I think that that kind of resonated with me and thinking, like, and there's not everybody doing this. And I think uh, – not take it for granted, but just you don't understand that when you're in the middle of it, you're stressing about playing perfect and doing all these different things. And um, I just felt, yeah, like my, my, my Julie experience was, was amazing, even as short as it was. Uh, but I just felt drained, I think, by – uh, the amount of time I put into the game uh, and the injuries. I, I, I messed up my shooting wrist while I was in camp. And so it mm-hmm. kind of hindered me. I was starting to shoot it very well. And uh, just that kind of set, that set me back, I think, a lot in the co- coach's eyes. Uh, couldn't, do a, couldn't do a lot from that nature. Uh, but well, that's tough timing. It was, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. But it was a, a great experience. And you, you obviously grieve those things. You grieve your career and, and what's happening. But um, it opened a lot of doors and uh, – I think even for my career right now, it brought a lot of respect understanding that I played at that level, even if it was the G League. Uh, a lot of my athletes can uh, relate and respect and trust uh, that I'm coming from a place that knows their best interests and knows what they're going through. And so uh, I'm grateful for all of them. Nice. Had you given that a thought? I mean, doing skills development and, you know, athletic training while you were a player? Honestly, no. My, so my best friend had a training business. He's he's uh, he's he's working with uh, at athletic games with me right now. He's uh, manages actually uh, all of the locations uh, along with Chevelle. and um, he had his own business back then. And we kind of got absorbed in a sense by by athletic games. But uh, I really wanted to just go in with him. However, he needed me to help. I was willing to add the, more of a business touch, a little more uh, of a official uh, officiality to it, and. Um, and eventually be, be a trainer if I needed to for, for a lot of the kids. But I kind of stepped in just needing money early on. And um, understanding my, my understanding of the game was just a little more advanced than the people around me. I was watching and, and could see different workouts happening and was actually shocked at some of the things I would see when I would go to the gym with just other trainers and stuff. And a lot of, I, I remember my first – the first kid I started training, my, my friend James put me on to – he was uh, like 13, averaging like 12 points in his ARC league, which is like a little AAU league out here in LA and uh we trained for maybe two months and he put uh he averaged like 30 points in a tournament 
after the like, first tournament after we had started training, I was like, okay, like there's some proof in the pudding here. And just uh, understanding the confidence you have to give a lot of these young kids. Um, it can't just be drill sergeant nature at a certain point. You have to let them know that there is uh, an opportunity for them to flourish and that like, I think everybody is growing up saying uh, everybody grows up and people around them are saying only this certain amount of people go to the NBA, but it's because of the mentality and the work ethic. And so if you can kind of instill that into a lot of these kids, you never know what can happen from that. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of flourished from there. I've been able to go by word of mouth and obviously with COVID it's been restricted and you have to, I have to do a lot, a lot more, I think uh, from a work standpoint, but uh, it's definitely worth it. So I didn't really see training right away. I didn't. I didn't see coaching or anything like that in my future. But it, it, it fell in my lap, and I had to take advantage of it. So, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, speaking of you know coaching and different coaches, you are one of the guys who stuck with it through the thick and thin of two different Division One head coaching changes during a single career in a single place. I don't know how many guys can say that, you know, because uh, yeah, sure, coaches change, but I mean, there's you know, there's attrition, players leave as well. I mean, you and, and so many of your teammates stuck it out from, you know, the, the Gib Arnold era, Gib Arnold who recruited you, of course, uh, to Benji Taylor when that whole NCAA right. saga was playing out. Um, and then Coach Gannat takes over just prior to that NCAA tournament year. Um, I believe on the pregame show that you went on 1420 with uh, me and Gary Dickman, uh, you said when I asked you that then, you, you have to be like water. And yeah. – uh, you know, how can, can you speak a little more to that and like just the, the kind of, um, you know, adjustments of your own expectations of their expectations for you that, you know, you played through that you sat through along the way? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I think it personally recruited me. And so uh, having that confidence to the coach and, and understanding that my time will come. I was able to play a little more free. I started working my way as my sophomore year was happening. I was working my way. It's not a six man role because we have some players on that team, but a, a guy who could come in and make a lot of different types of plays. And I was, I was given that freedom uh, with Gibb. And so that gave me the opportunity, honestly, to shoot a lot more, to be a little more aggressive. If I knew folks who was down there, throw it in right away, a little stuff like that. Right here, Mike cut off a little bit, but then he goes into transitioning to the Benji Taylor era and some of the challenges that team faced. We can be defensively liable sometimes against smaller teams whenever we play super big, which we had. We had the size, but uh, definitely the speed was a little tougher at times. And so just being able to defend as much as I could um, and make plays, take charges and all that different stuff is what really happened under Benji. And then uh, whenever my opportunities came, it was more finish, finish every, every go you had. I think a lot of, and then with Gennady, it was more be a leader. So um, in that change, it was like, all right, how much are you being in? How much are you in the gym? What are you doing with your extra time? Um, how much am I communicating to the coaching staff? How much am I communicating to my teammates about what our goals are, what we need to get done? And little things like that made it to where my skill level had to catch up to my leadership level, if that makes sense. And so uh, just constantly being on top of things like that, yeah, that, that kind of made the professional turn for me, I think. Um, but I'll say that all three of them are great coaches. They're very different coaches, all three of them. Um, I think Benji was a little more like laxed and, and gave us a lot of freedom, but it helped us play loose. And when we got out there, we knew we were going to compete. We were going to go hard. I think with Gib, we had structure in place, and there was an aura that we had, a, a certain pride or nature that we had about us that was a little different. Um, we knew we weren't going to lose a lot of nights because we had that. And I think with Gennat, the structure – um, and the ability to execute um, and be just on top of ourselves as individuals 
change how we approach the game and how we um, approach the team and, and that mentality. So um, they all three may be better, if I'm being real. I know there's, there's always whatever people are going to say, whatever they want to say behind closed doors. But, um, yeah, I think they may be better. No, well said. Um, and I think that about so, – I mean, that summed up pretty well some of the impressions I had from those three coaches respectively and the teams they – you know, they led in their own different ways, for sure. Um, and I remember going to observe a beach workout that, that the Gib was putting on for, for his guys in the offseason. I guess it was preseason at that point. They were wrapping up to regular practice. And uh, there's this wire, wiry kid sitting on the, uh, the stone wall fronting the beach out at, uh, out at Queens Beach there in Waikiki. It was one Mike Thomas. And, uh, you know, you, you come across a lot of pers- prospective recruits uh, in the sports writer game, you know, from, from one year or another. But I, I will remember uh, encountering that wiry kid sitting on the wall out there. And, yeah, I, you know, I didn't – I had no idea that you would end up becoming this three-year team captain, something that not too many guys have that kind of responsibility. And, you know, team leader Gannat called you the rock. It's honestly pretty cool watching you transform into the, the leader you became over that what felt like a pretty long – span of time I don't I don't know how quick it felt to you Mike can you describe I guess that you know that journey that you underwent over that five like half a decade span of time that you spent out here on the islands and how much maybe you changed from you know that that wiry kid who first appeared to the the guy you left as yeah I think uh my five years was full of ups and downs you 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 constantly it's time I don't want to disrespect the conference, right? But you constantly look at the conference and, and, and say, like, this, this, it has to be us every single year. And so it creates this, this certain, um, I think there was an entitlement uh, when, when you first get to the island. Like, man, like, I'm looking at the guys around me, especially my freshman and sophomore year. I'm like, look, I'm looking around like, yo, we, we should not lose a game, like, <laughs> at all. And then you take a couple and you're like, huh, these teams play hard. They shoot well. They do different things and all this different stuff. And I think um, just as much as I'm talking about basketball, the same thing applied to, like, life out there. You come, it seems unassuming. Um, and then you encounter your first experience with um, the locals. And it might be like the good set of locals or they might be the ones that, that don't want you around where you're, where you're around and stuff. And um, just honestly, not judging a book by its cover. I think when I first went there and, and understanding um, everything was earned, especially in college. Uh, we had to we had to really grind through some years. Like I, it sometimes I regret the fact that like Fotu wasn't on the team that went to the tournament. Just how just the type of player he was, the type of guy he was, and different stuff like that. You think about certain things like you're like how did, how did this work with this? You know what I mean? But, but this didn't work. And um, I think just uh, yeah, not 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 um, I don't know how to say this. Not taking the actual substance out of what the work produces, if that makes sense. Um, going to class, like all those little things about like being late, guys being late to class and and guys missing class and all those, those, those things count. Like they actually matter. And uh, you'll realize when you get to your senior credits and, and you, you need your capstone and all those little things that you missed along the way are exactly what you needed at the final, in the final days of getting your degree. And I don't know the, 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 the type of person that college can change you into, especially being in Hawaii, it's, it's, you just have to be on top of yourself. I think in such a relaxed place, uh, you have to maintain that worth that work ethic and, and uh, maintain who you are. I think at the end of the day, for, for at least for me, I think the kid who arrived was expecting the world and the guy that left understood what it took to get to that place and, um, and actually who he was at the end of that. I don't think I knew who I was when I was going into college. 
um, just on a personal level, spiritual level, basketball wise, all those different things. You just have this, this vision of yourself and where your life is supposed to go um, and what you're supposed to do. And then people come along and change little courses of that and um, events and uh, yourself and all these different, you just, I I came to a lot of different, um, I would say places where it's like, okay, if I want to live my life this way, then this is what I have to do here. But if I don't, then I have to sacrifice this. You know what I mean? And so um, just understanding those things, it changed a lot for me and changed what I care about uh, going forward into my life now. Cause I, I mean, those four years, really paved the way for the next 40. And I, I didn't, I didn't believe that, but it, it, that is very true. Um, and so, yeah. Well, Mike, you probably have a grasp on how rare it is that one guy stays in one program for five years, let alone four. And, and like all those coaching changes in between, like I mentioned, uh, when it came time after that NCAA tournament season, you know, you just had a, a great game against Maryland uh, in a losing effort there. It was, it was uh, you know, a valiant effort on your guys' part after you knocked off Cal, of course, um, the, the fifth-seeded Terrapins. They had some a very talented front line that you went up and up with uh, pretty much the whole way. When it came time after that season, you know, a lot of guys had a decision to make, right? And, uh, you know, A.V. decided to go pro. Um, Rod, of course, was eligible, eligibility was done, but Janks decided to go pro. Jovanovic transfers to LMU. Uh, Nico calls it a career. Uh, for playing wise, at least. And uh, you are, you know, you were the guy who stayed on that team. You were the guy who, it was almost like in capital letters, the guy who stayed, Mike Thomas. <laughs> uh, I mean, that that was like your, you know, part of your legacy as a UH player. Can can you just kind of take take me back to that time and talk about what went into that? Yeah, I, um, man, loyalty, loyalty plays a big, a big piece. Um, you know, it's crazy, man. Like when I was, because I had thought about leaving after my sophomore year, after the whole Benji situation, we heard we found out he wasn't going to get uh, hired, and uh, we didn't know who the coach was going to be. So my mind was already set, like, okay, cool. I I, I kind of started for a bit of this year. I got my I got some film out there at least. People can see what I can do. I shot it from mid range pretty well. I'm thinking all these things, and I sit down with Gannat, and he's like, like, what do you think about being a leader of my team? And I was like, well, <laughs> like, me, okay, this might be different. And so I think somebody to for somebody to see, because I, if you know, if you, if you saw my sophomore year, I played for the first 14 games and didn't do that bad. I, I did all right. I did soft myself. And then uh, my minutes just kind of dropped. And it was, I mean, it was per circumstance and stuff like that. And I understand all of that. It's, that's what goes into basketball. But um, for somebody like me, I, for somebody to see that and then say, okay, we need this guy as a piece, understanding that there's a whole, that, that whole same team is coming back. Um, and to place me into that, I, I, I uh, it just struck me if I'm being honest. Um, and so going into my decision to stay, I just felt the same way. I was like, well, who's going to, who's going to be the leader of this team? Like I'm, I, I could, I don't, there's no, there's no, there's no guarantees when you leave, especially in the situation we had, there was a whole sanction deal and all that different stuff. We could play right away or we couldn't, whatever was going to happen. I had no idea about that. You also go to a different situation, which means at, in my fourth year or my fifth year, whatever happens over there, um, I have to, again, earn the trust of everybody in that locker room, earn the trust of the coaches, which means no, no mishaps, no nothing like that. There's, you have to live a very restricted life, in my opinion. You have to show you're about to work at all times, different stuff like that. Um, and so I felt like if, if, if there was ever one mistake that I made at a transfer, who knows what could have happened from that, you know what I mean? And, and just understanding where I was at, and uh, not to say like we were just out living loose, but like Hawaii was known. I just played very well. 
I think the coaches were expecting, not expecting me to stay, but more like, okay, this is going to be the guy uh, going forward at least. And uh, I was much more willing to accept that and be a part of that somewhere I knew, the people I knew around the, the fans I knew and everything, um, then jump ship and um, try to be, I don't know, I, I think, to, yeah, try to look out for myself more than what I've what, what been building over this whole time. And I feel like that was really what was going into the play of my decision, uh, a ton of it. But, yeah, when I sat down with Gennad, it was more like, hey, I just, uh, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I know what we have right now, and I think I need to take the year to red shirt. And uh, like we had five players at the end of that spring <laughs> and two of them, were, two of them, I believe were walk-ons. And so I was like, okay, like it's, this might be a rough go, but I'll still have those same five guys with me going into my senior year and, or four, four other guys with me going into my senior year. And uh, I just need, yeah, I need some time to recuperate and, and I want to get myself better. And so like I, I had had meetings with Acker and we would work out nonstop all my redshirt year. And he was like turning me into a pro. Like there was not a lot of misses happening. It was uh, my body was in probably the uh, best shape it had been in leaving, going away. And I, I'd gained like 10 pounds, which was crazy to me. And so um, I think there was just an understanding on both ends that I couldn't, I can't, you can't replicate that anywhere. There was a trust level that I, that I couldn't replicate anywhere else. I don't believe. Um, and it's, it's not like uh, we're not being seen. It's not like we're not on ESPN. It's just, that's all on us. We had to play, play through that and, and make sure that we were, uh, doing the best of uh, our capability. So um, I just kind of saw it in that nature. Some people might disagree. Some people might think you have to go for yourself. I just didn't, I didn't see it that way. So, yeah. Well, Mike, I mean, you guys had so many highs in that season. And of course, there were some, some you know, I'm sure, great moments uh, in that locker room in the next two years, including your redshirt year as well. But, um, man, I you know, one of the, the really gut-wrenching, like, just tough one of the tougher losses that that i had seen in person was your final game of your career at that big west tournament against irvine who irvine who of course who had been the thorn in the side of the program has still been the thorn in the side of the program for well basically the entire big west they've had the run of things for a while um Mm -hmm. you know uh how long did it take to to shake that one it's tough man like i think that's why because I had really been on the fence even finishing my career at Hawaii about if I was going to go on or not. And I think that's what made me continue to go. I mean, we, if you look at that game, there was so much potential for that team going forward from that point. If you're watching the first three quarters of it, um, we're up 14 the entire game, or <laughs> at least from the, from the what, second half on to eight minutes left in it. And so um, it just hurt. I felt like that's where we were catching stride. And we just made a couple, a couple plays, and I was a part of that. Man, I turned, I turned the ball over on the baseline on, a, on an inbounds play. I'll never forget that. Actually, don't try to throw it to Brock too early. And um, yeah, that was difficult. I think it, it took maybe, yeah, it took success playing after, just reaching, reaching, getting to the G League to feel like I, I, I still had something in the tank, and I still, you know, what I mean, could still push past that. But that was difficult uh, just to end like that. And I, I. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was weird. It was. It was. It was tough. And I mean, you and Gibson played admirably against. You know, Irvine's bigs are always touted, right? They got the, the some of the best bigs in the league. And Gibson had like a career game. You know, I think you had had a, a pretty good game. Um, yeah, that. I mean, that that was that was wild to me. I, I on the short list of just what the heck just happened experiences. I you know that that's right up there for me just from a sports writing neutral you know sideline perspective so 
right. you're, I have, I've asked Brock about that game. You know, I've, you know, I, I, all the guys who were part of it, I feel like it's an obligation of mine to ask them about, even if it's unpleasant memory. So I'm sorry about that, Mike, but. Um, That's okay. Yeah, there's like one regret from that game. I think I, I had a minor injury from uh, like weights earlier that week. And I think there were, I think everybody in the situation was trying to be a little cautious about it. And I just wish I would have pushed through it and said something there, but I kind of trusted what we were up to. And then I, I left and we came back and it was on, it was like, we were trying to play catch up from that point too. And I just, yeah, it was, that whole situation was tough, but sorry. Well, what of the up high best memories will you kind of, you know, the obvious ones are winning the Big West that year and then going to the tournament and, and knocking off Cal. Um, what maybe are some of the underrated or underappreciated uh, things that you treasure from from that whole run, you know, that that uh, junior year of yours? Quincy, get, Quincy, I think, career high against Cal. Um, as somebody who I, I felt like people were doubting him, uh, it just as an as a, as a off-ball, uh, as a starter, different things like that, he was – Probably one of the toughest guys I ever met. One of the most personable guys. Uh, one of the hardest workers. Like be in the gym at like I, we we would think we were getting work in at like 11 p.m. Quincy would show up. He'd be in there before us, leave, and then before we were about to leave, he'd come back in and go back to shooting. Uh, type of people, type of person, and uh, to see him just not like really not miss, get as many steals as he wanted to, and dominate a team from his hometown. It just it, I think that put a fire in us. It put a fire in me. I, it was it was really dope to see. Uh, that year, the the that first game in the tournament, see him kind of free throws. He made, <laughs> he made free throws. Um, I think the there's something a lot of people don't understand about having a not like a backup, but that guy behind you at your, at your position could be point oh two off from being that starter when it comes to just a point differential in the coach's eyes. And that's what Cy was. Like, me and him really battled every single day. And to this day, me and him, like, have no issues with each other. Never, There was never any disdain from that point on to, to now. And uh, to see every time I got in foul trouble, every time I wasn't having the best game, Cy was in there, like, locked in and hitting shots. I think for those guys, especially the seniors, too, like, that's their last goal, and they want to put their best foot forward for whatever's going to happen afterwards in their, in their careers. And Cy, he's like, he went to medical school afterwards. You know what I mean? So, like, to see – and he wasn't like, oh, this is just my chill year in Hawaii for me to shoot a couple threes and get out of here and go to med school. He was, like, really trying to win. Uh, that was one of my favorite moments, too. Like, it was – there was never any once, – once we stepped on the court and we wore the same jersey, same color jersey, we was, there was no hard feelings. There was no hate. There was no nothing. Like, I'm cheering him on as hard as I can. He's doing the same thing for me. I think that was another thing, too. So, uh, just seeing those guys. Let me ask you this, Mike, and, and side, no doubt, complimented. I think your skill set and his skill set complemented each other very well. Uh, you both gave something a little different when either of you guys are in the game. Right. Uh, but let me ask you this, Mike, late in the year that you're, you know, I, I, Isaac Fleming is, is your usually the sixth man, you know, the, the spark plug off the bench gives you guys double-digit points, steps into the starting lineups at the time. Of, you know, of course, there was a little bit of a rocky rapport with the coaches at, at times with Isaac. And late in the year, right before you guys go on your, your mainland run to, to win the Big West and go beyond, he left the team. How did you guys recover from that at that point in time? Man, it hurt. Uh, honestly, it, uh, <laughs> we had a little, not running joke, but like a, a, like a saying, like this is still for Isaac. Like we're <laughs> still playing like he's, he's here with us. And because he never touched anything like that. I think it's, I mean, he played at Hawaii for that part of his career. And so we, he hadn't been to the tournament just like we hadn't been to the tournament. And so it was tough to um, to not have him there. I think 
just once, I, if I'm being honest, once the lights came off for practice, once the lights came off for games, it was it was go time. We kind of carried the same mentality. If you watch, he's fearless. Doesn't care what time it is, what what's happening in the game. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to make plays, and so we kind of tried tried to carry that. And that's also like we that was an absence. We needed somebody like that who could constantly turn it on and flip the switch for us and stuff. And so definitely plenty of guys, uh, including Quincy, including Cy. Rod stepped up his scoring a ton towards the end of the year uh, just to cover that that, that gap and uh, um, definitely missing a hole that Isaac was. But he was a brother of ours, you know what I mean? So it was, it was difficult. Um, we had to keep pressing. I think there was just a lot going on. and Yeah, it was tough, but yeah. What do you remember about uh, when you guys are practicing at Long Beach to pre- prepare for the Big West tournament? And they do a little, um, uh, you know, a little little shot across the bow that that maybe ends up backfiring a little bit uh, because it sounds like you guys got pretty fired up. Can can you elaborate on what happened there, Mike? Yeah, man. They, uh, so if you win if you win the conference uh, outright or if you're first place at the end of the season, you get an automatic bid to the NIT. Just for people that don't know, and um, they put out strictly NIT basketballs because I guess they probably host a location or have been in the NIT plenty of years, and so. Um, when we saw that kind of took, took just took it as a slight. Um, and then a couple of their players walked in afterwards. We we're kind of grilling them down, but like a few of us kicked the balls into their stands and like, just, we, we were not, I'll say, I don't care. We were, <laughs> we were not having it. Um, and you know how tough it is. I, I said this on the, on the show with uh, Gary as well, but how tough it is to beat a team three times. Honestly, we love competition, but we didn't, you don't want to see Irvine twice or a, a third time. Uh, they just, there's too much scout. They have a lot of size, and, and Russ is a good coach, if I'm being real. And uh, But we wanted that Long Beach matchup. I think it's been impossible to beat them in California for us. <laughs> and uh, uh, just to have – that game, it just felt like they were on the ropes uh, for a majority of it. I felt like we were always in attack, confident. If, I mean, if you go back and watch film, like Nico is just going at his old high school teammate, Bibbins, like he's like nobody was in front of him. And it was, it was just a lot of fun to play in that game. And, um be able to compete against them but yeah we definitely took that as a slight and um i will say mike i will say this mike that is i almost want to tip my cap to the like i said backfired you guys got fired up it's that's kind of like where do you get like nit basketballs like at a drop of a hat like that just for like almost that specific occasion (laughs) playing nit (laughs) right for what probably six out of the last 10 maybe maybe i mean they yeah they, they had a nice run there I'll, I'll give long beach that but that's uh you know I, I remember going to practice that day at the pyramid to, to catch up with you guys and i was just like wow yeah right. like, <laughs> exactly so um yeah that is what it is but i guess karma or whatever you want to say caught up to them so um it was a fun time beating them i think there was some i'll go back i, I watched that game actually periodically and there were just some moments where I think they thought that it was going to be easy to beat us just because we had had trouble beating them in the past. And so, yeah. Well, um, Mike Thomas, what else is, is coming up for you? you you've been a, a great guest, and I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Uh, between those three demands, I, I saw you just posted something on, uh, on Instagram called Bayshore Ballads and an Extended Play Collection. Can, can you just yes. like maybe elaborate on, on your music or whatever you, else you feel like that's, that's coming up in the near future for you? Yeah, definitely. On the music end, I've just been laying down the foundation, I believe, for uh, who I want to sound at, sound like as an artist. Um, definitely opening the door to, to new artists coming in, too. I have a few. Uh, a spoken word artist, she's a female who's um, done some really good work, actually, recently in the studio. I'm excited for 
Um, a kid named Shy Brooks, who he's about to put out a couple of new projects that I've been working with. And Bay, Bayshore Ballads was just a, a collaboration to kind of put them a bit on the map, but it was also a little special project um, for my girlfriend in, in a sense and um, just what, uh, what's been going on there. But uh, that was uh, – it's a lot of fun. It's an RB project. I, d- I definitely want to try out different sounds. I'm experimental when it comes to stuff, but not, you know, too, not too out th- outside the box. I definitely want to make it sound good. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of growing. I'm about to drop an album in August. Uh, been working on it uh, recently, just and, and putting together a little bit of a budget for it to, 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 to reach a little more masses. So I'm excited for that stuff. Uh, definitely the player development and, and performance training uh, does not stop and seasons will always continue to go. So Excited to see um, where that takes me and, and working with definitely new clientele all the time and, and the people that have been by me since I've started as well, too. But um, what's to come? I think it's just more more work, honestly. And then seeing the fruits of that labor, I uh, I don't put too much pressure anymore on where I need to be right now and what's going on. So uh, what happens from it will. And, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to do that stuff, man. Like I get to I get to do what I love. So, yeah, I really enjoy it. Do you have a do you have an artist name? Yeah, it's Moss. So it's the last three letters of my last name uh, with an accent over the A. Um, just means more. Always go with the, the, uh, the little subtitle, less is more, um, and continue to work from there. So, yeah, man. I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, la- and last word from you, Mike. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of it. UH, just as we almost started the talk, they, they polished off a road win at CSUN by a point, yes, 75 <laughs> Uh, Bawali Bales, the freshman, banks in a go-ahead three with about 20 seconds left, and UH survives a few, a few frantic attempts by the Matadors. Have yes, you caught sir. much of this year's team, and uh, what, do, what do you think about their progress? Here and there, I've been able to watch a lot of highlights. Um, speak, I speak with Gannat uh, periodically. Um, I like their heart. I actually like their talent a lot, too. I like uh, Junior, um, definitely Justin, and uh, Webster, and um, – I'm tripping on my own team at Hemsley. <laughs> and uh, I um, I enjoy how hard they play. Honestly, I look at the rebounders. There's somebody who plays a little similar to Gibb down there, um, Jardine. Justin Jardine, yeah. Yeah. Um, I enjoy I, – yeah, I, I enjoy the mold. I'm, I'm, I'm watching how they play and stuff. I definitely – there's certain wins where you're like, man, I wish they sweep that out. Or there's certain teams you look at like, ah, don't lose to them. You know what I mean? Just because I'm an alumni. But um, I enjoy where they're going. The culture is always going to stay right. I know that. And so um, I think it just comes down to a matter of experience. Like that's what helped us get to that, to that, to that point we wanted to get to was just understanding that we played in the same situations the year before and uh, now it's time to execute and win. And so this, this year and next year, I think they're going to be right at the cusp. And that's when you make the change. Certain guys got to step up and just say like, Hey, we're not, we're not losing today. Um, and I've seen that a couple of times actually this year with guys putting up certain numbers and um, playing a certain way at the end of the game. So um, I'm excited to see what comes. I know it's a weird situation, man. There's no, it's it's so weird to kind of evaluate basketball right now, no fans and not being able to spectate and really see game and stuff like that. But um, I'm excited for them, man. I, I'm always going to be excited for Hawaii basketball. I'm not going to leave my post. <laughs> I'll be right here. That's my number one team in college. I don't watch actually any college basketball except for Hawaii. So, uh, yeah, I'm locked in. Well, as you said, Mike, continuity is key. They had a lot of turnover from last year for sure i mean starting with drew of course go drew your old teammate uh going right. to missouri um real, real quick were you, were you surprised when when that one happened because he was he was like the team leader last year uh yes and no i think drew is uh drew has had had goals of wanting to 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 play at that level i think from when was it 
maybe before before he came to Hawaii, I want to say on his visit, he was like, man, I'm, I'm not like this is not going to be like, this is not going to be my only stop, but he was like, man, I want to get to the next level. He was always talking about the next level. So I think um, once he started putting up good numbers and everything, I was like, okay, it, it makes sense. But uh, yeah, how it happens. Sometimes you're like, oh, okay, I, I wish he could have stayed, but I mean, that's, that's his career. And I'm always willing to see, I'm always happy to see my, uh, my teammates and anybody around the program uh, do better for themselves just as much as do better for the program too, if I'm being honest. So, um, I didn't mind it. I think it was it, it. There was no bad blood. That's my biggest thing: is are you burning bridges? Or are you are you keeping everything how it should be? You know what I mean? I don't think that I don't think he burned any bridges. I think the coaches still support him. I think the Hawaii family still supports him, obviously. And um, yeah, it's dope to see him competing out there. I mean, honestly, in the, in the SEC is as as big boy basketball, <laughs> and so uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch him this year and just making plays and always keeping his eyes up for his teammates and uh, being a leader still. And so, yeah, I've been enjoying that. But, it, yeah, it's tough to see him leave. I definitely would have liked to see him in his career out there. Well, Mike, the rock, as you were known uh, during the Gannat era to end your career, thank you for being like water and navigating some, some questions with me for the last hour. Much appreciated. Always, brother. Yes, sir.